the thing that sets people apart is what you're willing to sacrifice for it, what you're willing to give up, the hard work, the really hard stuff that sucks and makes you quit. That's the difference. It's all the people that didn't get back up from that or didn't want to do it or couldn't hack it. You know what I mean? Like that's what sets people apart. That was actor, writer, rapper, raconteur, coffee nerd, all around legend, Briggs. And this is the best of 2019 of Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. We're into week three of our best of 2019 episodes. We're going to revisit Briggs today. You can find Briggs online. He has he is at Briggs B R I G G S. If you're new, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. This is Better Than Yesterday. It's a podcast that I do. Every week, uh, me, I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a, a TV and podcasting and authority kind of guy from Sydney, Australia. And this conversation is simply a podcast designed to hopefully help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. Something you hear today will make you go, oh, all right, I never thought of it like that before. And then hopefully today will be a bit better than it was the day before. That's about it. I am coming to you right now. I'm sitting on the back deck of my father-in-law's boat. I'm on a canal in Bribey Island. And I've just finished crankily shaking my fist at jet ski owners who refuse to obey the six knot no wash rule. I'm really the get off my lawn uh, of, of Queensland. <laughs> We're sitting on a, a housing development with heaps of canals uh, and there's a mooring in front where my father-in-law has his boat and the jet ski guys go, go by too fast and there's a wash and then the wash erodes the the seawall that keeps everyone's houses safe and ah i'm really becoming clint eastwood and gran torino moment by moment moment by moment if you're new to this podcast if this is the first time you listened you may know that i'm a person who uh, works on television sometimes canning roses sometimes officiating singing fights between giant robots and giant spiders um but i also write books and i, I talk a lot about mental health um, my own to start with because that's the one I'm most familiar with but it is in through the conversations about my own mental health that um, a lot of people find a great amount of um, I don't know oh, I hope that wind's not too bad because it is there's a bit of a breeze coming through here it is in conversations about talking about my own mental health that I'm trying to help other people have conversations about their own mental health so hopefully hearing me talk about it inspires you to be able to talk about it a little bit more and maybe even me just talking about it will hopefully make you feel like a little bit less like oh shit this is just happening to me because that's the trick man as it gets in your brain and it, it makes you believe that this is only happening to you it isn't i'm here to tell you and a lot of um, good mental health is about just being aware of what's going on and identifying what's going on, whether they be the cognitive distortions that is talked about in cognitive behavioral therapy, things like magnification or crystal ball errors or polarization or black and white thinking, things like that, just kind of identifying thinking patterns that you might be trapped in. Or when it, for me, it's identifying the, the obsessive compulsive thoughts and the thought patterns that I get stuck in and the, the kind of weird 
loops that my brain gets stuck in and playing me back either memories or prophecies that I can't uh, bust out of and and I guess that's where the acceptance commitment therapy that I'm doing at the moment really helps just identifying identifying those it is you know being aware of it is 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 honestly it's, it's half of it being aware that it's happening is half of it man because then you at least go oh right this actually is a really nice party it's just my brain is distorting what's happening and telling me that you know everyone's staring at me they're not okay all right so now I know that it's just my brain. I can try and enjoy the party and just go, okay, thanks, brain. But, it, you know, it's just being aware of it, I think. And for me, it's always been, it's worse in the mornings. People ask me often, like, you've got an anxiety disorder. Why do you drink coffee? I drink coffee because coffee kicks my prefrontal cortex in the face. <laughs> it helps the rational part of my brain wake up. But, yeah, it's always, huff, it's always tough in the mornings. But um, thankfully, I've, I've been back on meds since about July, it's, I'm recording this just the very last end, end, like three days left of the year of 2019. I've been back on meds since about July, and the thing is the meds allow me to do is they just they just loosen the grip of that thinking and allow me to kind of think about what's happening in my head a little bit easier and sort of having that dual track where you kind of stand on one train track of thought and look at the other one and go, oh, there it is. And the moment you think about it, then you kind of identify it and you can observe it, and that really helps you kind of put it into perspective, perspective and maybe do something to make your day better around that some self-care or some you know rationalization or you know maybe just accepting it and just being with it which is what i've been finding is working a lot but yeah it sucks it's worse in the mornings but that's fine i just you know go, okay this is what it is now it won't be like this all day give it an hour i'll feel a whole lot better change a baby's nappy make a cup of coffee go and train come back things better and i've got to you know I say thanks to Audrey every day for letting me train. She's like, you don't need to thank me, but we've got a baby, you know, and it's it's all hands on deck. It's a two-person job. You can do it by yourself. She did it by herself, but it's better if you've got two people. Um, she did it by herself with, Ju- with Georgia, our eldest. But um, if I can get time in the morning to exercise, half an hour, 40 minutes or whatever, it really makes a lot of difference, man. Gets all those hormones working gets that serotonin that norepinephrine that dopamine gets it all squirting out of out of my brain and helping me able to shift mood states a lot better i mean it's still bloody horrid don't get me wrong but at least it's not all consuming like it like it used to be um, thanks very much to everybody that sent me an email through the week about, about where they are listening to the show i always love to see where you're listening uh call it a podsy it's just a P-O-D-S-I-E, just a picture of what you're looking at as you're listening. Um, this one came in from Alison, who sent it an extraordinary picture, and it's unbelievable seats. They're probably about 20 rows back from the ground. MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, day three of the Boxing Day test. I have no interest in cricket, but my two boys are obsessed. Thank you for the ticket, Santa. Grateful for your podcast. Grateful for my earphones. Single mum life. Happy holidays. Alison, that is an unbelievable view that you've got and I'm grateful that you're there with your boys um I personally would also be very happy to be there but thank you for taking me there that's really cool and this email came in I'm going to change the name because there's a bit of disclosure here Uh, let's call her Khaleesi Uh, I've just finished listening to the episode with Tanya Hennessy I'd listened before Christmas to the awesome pep talk about talking with my family about climate change it was super helpful in giving me the confidence to respond more authentically when on the phone to my dad and stepmom on Christmas morning. 
dad's in Emerald in Queensland, and she's got a script of a phone conversation. It's bloody hot here today, 41 degrees. And she's in Perth saying, yeah, it's hot here today too, Dad, 38 degrees. And she says, normally that's how the conversation goes, us both commenting on the weather with me holding my tongue so as not to get into it. But this time, with your words fresh in my mind, she says, and that's why they call it global warming, Dad. And in the background, the dad and the stepmom laugh, laughter, derision, general telephone scoffing. She said, yeah, we can have different views on why it's happening, but the facts speak for themselves that it is happening. And then on the other end of the phone, there was a, hmm. And then they went on to talk about what they were having for lunch. It was a start. That is the humongous start that you had that conversation, Khaleesi. Well bloody done. Yeah, we've got to have those chats. We've got to. And then she wrote, thanks, thanks for the episodes that really resonated with me. And she has written, like I said, there's a bit of disclosure here. She said she's a rather obese 50-plus-year-old woman who's heading in the direction of making some lifestyle changes towards more exercise. She's not there yet, but is heading in that direction. Um, started doing some knee lifts in the shower, the odd wall push-up, a set of 5 to 10, a little forward fold to get me back into my yoga vibe. And that's amazing. She wrote one of the podcasts, two of the podcasts that she listened to, um, Dr. Nick Fuller and Todd Lubinskis. I'm going to play Nick Fuller next week because it's just a a really great one. But also Todd Lubinskis, fantastic conversation about how to indeed get moving when you are in that situation. And I'm just so thrilled that you've written and telling me you're doing those two things. That's just the best. Um, So happy that you're moving. That Todd Lubinskis episode is a great example of how little you actually need to do to actually you know get going and get that dopamine squirt and then just kind of bit by bit by bit by bit you build on it i hope you feel the mental benefits of the exercise and as far as the climate change part of your email goes well yeah look um it's super tough and yeah i'm sitting here i'm on the back of a boat right now it's moored up to the front of the house here in bribey island and it's overwhelming sometimes um particularly when i know for a fact not an opinion but a fact that the sea level will rise by 30 centimetres by 2050 and it'll be about a metre by 2090. That's really, really, really horrible to think about that. Now, most of everything that I'm looking at right now will be gone. All of these houses, these houses built by humans, filled with memories. We saw, we went for a cruise on Christmas Eve and we just saw all the homes full of people having a great time together you know all the Christmas lights up all these memories these homes are filled with these homes filled with a sense of place and safety and comfort and warmth and family homes that people think about when they're overseas knowing oh at least mum and dad are in that place and I know that place is always there for me and there's warmth and food and comfort and love all of this will be swallowed by the sea and it's so, so in, intense to realise that. And people like Khaleesi's parents, who we referred to earlier, it'll be really tough if you continue to resist the acceptance of this reality. Then you're just going to, it's going to be horrible for you. And you'll just be flummoxed when it's your house. And at first it starts where the living room starts to get soaked on a few days of the year where there's a king tide each year. And then... A couple of years later, then either side, the weeks either side of the king tides and the, the living room's underwater and then soon enough it's every high tide and then soon enough you've got to go. 
It's horrible to know that that's going to happen. But in the face of this horrible acceptance and this, this enormously painful thing to come to grapple with, I have to find a way to be here because I'm here on holiday with my family. And it's beautiful. You know, it's bloody lovely. There's palm trees. There's cockatoos that come by every afternoon. We watch stingrays go by in the canal. The kids are fishing. It's amazing. So I, I woke up the other morning before it all kicked off and I thought about, I might think about this place like I think about my dogs. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Yeah, they're small. They're barky. They're not too bright. But they're excellent fun. They're really cuddly. And they're lovely to have around. And yet I will outlive them. Both. Both of our dogs will die one day. They'll get sicker and slower and older. And one day, as a family, we'll make a call. And we'll drive them to the vet. We'll give them a hug. And we'll put them to sleep. And Audrey and Georgia and Wolfie and I will be very sad. But those two dogs will die. And we got those dogs knowing full well that that was going to happen, that that is part of the deal, that we will get super sad about the loss of these animals. But that doesn't mean I can't enjoy them today. That was just before I started recording this. I was up there with my nephews. We were, I was showing my nephews how to get the dogs to sit and roll over and do some obedient stuff. So I'm trying to enjoy this time by the water. Similarly, I even got in the ocean today. I had a little body surf, which was excellent. And that's, that's, a, that's a big deal for me. Because um, I used to body surf every single day. Um, and for a long, 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 long time, I, I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to get in the water. I wasn't even able to be near the water for a long time. But today I got in there. The salt water went up my nose. I caught a couple of waves. We even put a little wolfie in the ocean and we, we played with him on the shoreline. And, and despite the very visible sand dune erosion all around us, I was able to enjoy this moment with my family and enjoy the look of surprise and confusion on little Wolfie's squidgy face as the ocean raced up around his feet and then took the, some of the sand away from underneath where we were sitting. And It's just beautiful. And so I'm trying as hard as I can, to, and mostly succeeding, to be honest, in, in enjoying this time as much as I can. As podcast favourite and dear friend of mine, scientist Ruben Meerman says, these are the good old days. And it is indeed in this space of impermanence, this place of, of impending loss, of full knowledge that so many of our important places, important cultural places, important family places, all being in peril, all these places filled with so many memories and stories and cornerstones of our culture and our cultural identity, looking at all of them and knowing that we will lose them and then having to figure out how our memories and cultural identity and our community will survive with them gone. It's with that that I'd ask you to consider the conversation that you're going to listen to today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. So, my guest today, as a part of the best of 2019, is Briggs. Briggs is an Indigenous Australian rapper, actor, comedian, and record label owner from Shepparton in Victoria. Uh, from his breakout album in 2009, Briggs has gone on to dominate the hip-hop scene in Australia and abroad. He's released four solo albums. What kind of plane is that? Oh, it's a 737 heading into Brisbane. Oh, interesting. He's released four solo albums, as well as the landmark Reclaim Australia record with AB Original, an album that spoke volumes to the conversation about race relations in Australia. Um, it's no coincidence that this is coming out a couple of weeks out from uh, January 26 to start getting the ball rolling on um, the conversation that we'll have closer to that day. AB Original uh, recently, uh, well, last year, they were crowned uh, APRA's 2018 Songwriters of the Year, and in 2017 they won the ARIA for not only the best independent release, but also the best urban album. And I also want Triple J's J Award for Album of the Year for the album Reclaim Australia. Um, Briggs is very, he's prolific as a creator. He's an actor. He's featured in Clever Man, Black Comedy and The Weekly. He's also um, a highly regarded comedy writer, television writer. And he has most notably written episodes for um, Matt Groening and his show on Netflix called Disenchantment. He's very talented, very good at what he does. In this conversation, Briggs and I talk about um, the single that he released during 2019. Um, it was called Life is Incredible. It's an absolute shot to the gut aimed at the life expectancy of Indigenous Australians compared to the rest of the population. And like all great artists, Briggs performs to the top of his intelligence at all times. He's a very, very, very smart man. And he's a very funny man. And it truly makes him a force of nature. Briggs is also a legit coffee nerd so there is a fairly solid chunk of decent nerdy coffee talk at the top that uh, will impress anybody who likes to weigh their coffee beans and time the draw uh, you can find Briggs on Twitter he's at Briggs B-R-I-G-G-S he's also on Instagram Senator Briggs let him know you heard him here if you have any questions you can always email me send us your email at gmail.com hope you enjoy the conversation with Briggs Briggs, I'm so grateful you're here, mate. Thank you. Welcome, welcome to my city. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great. I would move to Melbourne tomorrow if there was television. If I could make, if I could work here. Yeah. I've already. My wife, she's from Fiji. She's okay. like, I'll never fucking live there. It's cold. And I was like, No, no, come, come on. Live. Like, she'd only been down here for work and stuff. So yeah, yeah. She's a makeup artist, so she'd come down here. They just do like a 12-hour day, like doing a logies or yeah, yeah. something like that. And she'd be like, it's, I'm on my feet all day. I don't like Melbourne. So I brought her down here one week, and she's like. Okay, I get it. Right, I get it. Yeah. And my brother lives down here with his husband, so we get to visit them. And cool. Man, I love this. I would. When we used to come down here for Idol, yeah. When we used to come down here for Idol, I'd be like, "Fuck, man, I love this place." Yeah, Melbourne's 
like stuff happens here. It's a different culture. <laughs> It's a different culture. I grew up in Brisbane, so I've got no loyalty yeah. to Sydney or Melbourne. I, well, I grew up in Shepparton, so it's oh, like, right, right. yeah, I'm, I grew up in the country. So from an outsider point of view, it's like, yeah, you know, Sydney's got the, the beaches and whatever. It's like, yeah, but I, I, can't, I can't do the beach every day. It's like I need, I need the city. I need something to do. Like I need that work. I need that yeah. to get that work. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Now, um, we spoke briefly. We're in a, uh, a rented a, a apartment. I'm down here for a thing for uh, Sane Australia. We've just done a couple of days of um, strategy and board meetings and stuff like that. It's a charity I work, I, I work for. Yeah. And so we're in this. We're on the 14th floor above like five different cafes. And I said, hey, man, do you want a coffee? And you go, no, 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 I'm sorted. Yep. <laughs> that's like, that's you don't do an away thing. game, do you? Nah, man, it's the first thing I do as soon as I wake up. I've, like I've I've started like brewing cold brew at home now. I got like this Japanese drip thing. It looks like some mad professor thing. It's like yeah. seriously like there's there's beakers and there's twirling things. The, the one that I have now though is really simple. Yeah. So like the idea is like I can teach my girlfriend how to make it. So because you know we need to have caffeine constantly. <laughs> Now I I don't drink anymore. Uh, I don't do drugs anymore. I'm like yeah. nine years, two months, and there's the seventh today. Probably I can't remember how many days. Coffee's all I've got. That's the only thing I put in my body that changes how I feel. Yeah. Uh, without losing my sobriety. Yeah. And mate, I'm fucking mad for it. I've right. got a scale. Yeah. I've got a timer. Yeah. I measure my grinds out. Yeah. I time my pours. Yeah, man. I, I've I've got like a I've got the Lama Zocco single group head so like you'd, you see people will now look at the machines that they go see in like these um, you know in their cafe and more often than not it's a Lama Zocco well, I put that in my house that's I'm high on my own supply dude I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making coffees now I don't know about you but I'm when I look at the you know, the margins in the bean game mm. mate it's a racket you can I've figured it out Briggs, you can land raw green beans in Australia for like eight bucks a kilo. Yeah. Cleared customs. Yeah. You can sell them for 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm in the wrong gig. No, no, I mean, we can flip them. Like an Escobar of coffee. Mate, Briggs and G Coffee, I think we should launch that shit. Yeah, man, B and G, that'd be great. I'm not, I'm not, even, ki- I'm not even kidding. Could B&G. you imagine? It's something I'm really into. Can you imagine the margins? <laughs> yeah. And we could do a triple bottom line. We could go, all right, and, you know, certain percentage, you know, these are the people that we train to, to roast it. And so, we, you know, the company's full of people that we bring up. You yep. know, we could, we could put a social element to just it. Take over, just take over Melbourne. Like, this is the spot to do it. You start like, in Melbourne and then the world. The world, Man, Melbourne drinks more coffee than anywhere else in the world. That, there's not counting my house. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> for real. I, I think it's like per, like, like for the population size, yeah. we drink the most. I, and, and people- And are, it shows. And people have a problem with immigration. <laughs> Fuck, without immigration, there would be no coffee. Bro, people need to relax. It's just, I said, it, it's a war on cuisine. That's what it is. They're trying to stop. They're trying to stop the flavors, man. They can't handle it. They're trying to stop the flavor. We need. I need coffee, man, and I and I need that international food court. <laughs> I was talking to my um, anyone who plays with that has a problem with me. <laughs> I was talking to uh, my 
Uh, it's not Uber, it's Didi. It's another one. They, they give a bigger percentage to the, the driver, I think. Yeah. I was talking to my driver last night about he's Ethiopian. I'm yeah. like, I love that Ethiopian food. Have you ever had it with a big yeah, yeah, flat yeah, bread? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm celiac, I can't have wheat. Yeah. And it's made of this thing called teff, which okay. is gluten free. And, 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 and like, I'm also vegan. I don't be me, Briggs. Um, <laughs> and so there's that You really pot. need coffee. I know. That's <laughs> all I've got. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's all I've got. No but, meat, no wheat. Yeah, I know. And I struggled when I lived in America. Yeah. It's a Monty Python joke. Yeah. But that filter coffee is a lot like making love in a canoe. Yeah, it's for real. fucking close to water. 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. It's getting better though. It is because Australians have moved yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a spot on Melrose I frequent. It's like 5.0 or something like that. And it's really good. That's the place I mess with. Right. What? What's the cross street? Uh, it's right near Fairfax. It's oh, yeah. like Melrose and Fairfax. Right. It's right, right by it's there. My old neighbourhood. Yeah, I lived yeah. on. Um, I lived on Melrose and La Brea. Okay, but yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. So it's right by there. And there's another one on the corner, like right near the corner of. Um, this is such a strange shit, right? There's there's another coffee spot right on the corner of. Um, Santa Monica and Fairfax, mm-hmm. like across from the Whole Foods on the other side, next to the expensive looking dog food. Yeah, I know that place. Yeah, coffee, coffee, that's lit. I seen like Seth Rogen there. That was dope. Steve Aoki, mate. You want to, <laughs> if you want next time you're in Los Angeles, so it's up to you. You go to my old neighborhood. You go to Venice. Oh, and you get some legit. It's some, there's a place called Intelligentsia in Venice, okay, which is out of control. Yeah, it, they 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 like professors. Yeah, they wear lab coats in there, <laughs> <laughs> and they've they got, very serious. Mate, they take it super seriously, and it's extru- It was it was like hundred meters, man. It was like, hundred meters from my house. <laughs> yeah, I need that though. It's it's the only thing. It's like it keeps me stable. <laughs> well, elsewhere, I you know, and I've spoken to my doctor about this. Is that now I'm off meds. I don't. I don't take anything. I, every now and again, I'll have a little something to help me sleep if I'm doing a night shift, and I yeah. just. But it's a different kind of. It's a newer kind of sleeping thing. And anyway, when the I'd still dream of the horrible things that gave me the the psychosis yeah. episodes. So it still comes to me, but it comes to me in my dreams when I can't rationalize it. Yeah, and it's really tough. Uh, and then I wake up in the morning. That's because my prefrontal cortex, which is the part of my brain that rationalizes things, yeah. isn't active. Yeah. All right. And so, for example, I'm in an unfamiliar place. I know I have to pee. I stand up in the hotel room and I just kind of wait. And I just wait. And then I go, okay, I'm awake enough now to find a door. (laughs) I just know. I just, I don't know where I am. So, same as similarly, when I wake up, all these thoughts are coming and coming and coming. And the part of my brain that deals with them isn't awake yet. Yeah. Coffee comes into my life, comes into my body. And then I'm like, right. <laughs> Shoot it all yeah, down. Next, one next. Okay, yeah, I'm on. I'm on. I'm here. Yeah, it, and it's like, and it's like, it's part of my routine. You know, like the group handle to the grinder to the scale to the. It, it's like it's like a martial art. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's, a kata. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You just be like water, dude, and then you just grab it. You know what I mean? You you, you lock it in. You press the button. You get your cup. It's in there. It's like it, it's it's a proper routine, man. It's like. You know what I mean? It is like a kata. Yeah. It's important. Does caffeine come uh, as a part of your creativity? Do you then go, right, don't talk to me, now I'm writing? Um, not so much. It, it's just like it's my thing that I do how I start my morning. It's the first thing that I do because it's the first, like, movements that I have. So it's like these are my 
Like everyone's got their little routine that they have in the shower or wherever. You know what I mean? Everyone's got their little thing that they do. But like this thing is just something that I enjoy that isn't music, that isn't writing, that isn't anything. It's like the best thing about it is it's all structured. You know what I mean? It's fact. It's like I need 18 grams of coffee in this shot to make this perfect shot. And rah, rah, You know what I mean? So it's like I'm not thinking about anything else except this coffee into this cup. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's almost like a little vacation. <laughs> You're describing a mindfulness process. Yeah. Yeah, you really are. And I'm, I'm, I'm the same. There's like just whatever other variables happen in my day, whatever uncontrollable shit comes my way. Yeah. I know that there's this many grams in here. The shot's going to go for 22 seconds. Yeah. It's going to have, <laughs> you know, 42 milliliters of water in it. Yeah. And then it's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the outcome's fantastic. <laughs> it's a predictable outcome. And yeah. that's the thing I think as well that I like. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that constant. You know what I mean? It's like, and it's like, it's just a little thing. It's just nice. And then it's like, okay, it's that process, man. It's just that process. And like, I get that process like, in the gym as well. So it's like when the only thing you're thinking about is like you're lifting heavy weights and it's like, just don't drop this on your neck. <laughs> That's all it is. That's it. You go up, you know what I mean? It comes down, goes back up. Just don't drop it on your neck. You know what I mean? It's like it's like some kind of like active meditation. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, mate, 100% that's what I was doing this morning. There's a gym I go to here when I'm in town. Other gyms around, like they charge you. Fucking, well, you're charging 140 bucks for a seven day pass at least 24. I don't want yeah. that. It's this really grimy place in the banana alleys under the train station. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. they used to do raves there in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. It smells like ammonia and biker speed, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, when they, yeah. You know, but it's it's just this, it's seriously, it's in tunnels, yeah. right? The whole thing's in tunnels. And um, I was there this morning and there's a kind of therapy that I was doing called Hakomi therapy, which is a trauma recovery therapy where the, the, the hypothesis is that the body experiences trauma and then the revisiting and the horror feeling is because your body didn't get to do the thing that it needed to do at the time, be it yep. run, punch, fight, whatever. And so when I'm in the gym this morning doing leg presses in my head, I'm thinking of the, the visions that give me horrors yeah. and I'm fucking pushing that shit away. Yeah. And then, and it fucking really helps, man. Yeah. It really like, helps. It, it's the, again, man, it's like, it, it simplifies everything to that one, to that one moment where it's just like, just push this up. Like, that's all you got to do. You don't have to worry about the politics. You don't have to worry about the outcomes. You don't have to worry about, you know what I mean? Like the different variables. It's, it's one simple action. It's just don't drop this on your neck. You know? <laughs> and it's great. And it's great. And for real, it's like going to the gym for me is, I swear, it's like 80% mental. Because it's like now I've got this watch on my arm that tells me how lazy I am that it's like, I can tell, it's like if my heart rate isn't up to a certain level and I'm in the gym and I can't get to the next exercise, it's a mental thing because my heart rate's telling me, it's like, no, you're not that tired yet. So it's like, no, snap out of it. You can do that. Just move. You know what I mean? Like, and that's all part of it, man. It's just I try to bring those kind of um, lessons to everything else that I do. It's interesting, isn't it, when... I mean, I only started really lifting. I always was like a, a runner yeah. and then my, my hips fucked out. I can't run anymore. And so I, I started lifting only about a year and a bit ago. Yeah. 
And I've, I spoke with Guy Sebastian about this, how much it changes the rest of my life. Yeah. Because I start my day, in Guy's words, I start my day overcoming adversity. Yeah. So my brain just has this idea, no, 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 it's okay. You just push and you can get over this. Yeah. You just lift this thing. Just lift this thing off the ground. That's all it is. Like, <laughs> like it's really simple. That's what I like about it. Because everything else I do can be very, very complicated. The things I navigate can be very, very complicated and there's a lot of different moving parts. But when it comes to making coffee or lifting weights, they're very simple and I love them for that because it's just like there's a heavy thing over there on the ground, pick it up, <laughs> put it back down, do it again. You know what I mean? Like, And you're going to feel better for it. Yeah. And there was like just that, that mental thing of being like, hey, maybe I could do some more. Hey, maybe it lifts a little bit more. And this, and that's when it becomes the sport for me. That's your body experiencing the dope, getting the dopamine and going, oh, that feels good. Yeah. I want to do that again. And then what for me I love is, you know, and as someone who identifies, I've got a dick, I had to take Instagram off my phone. I'm a fucking addict. I'm no, I'm no <laughs> match for their AI attention grabbing mind control shit. Oh, I, right. can't, I can't beat it. I had to I, take it off my phone. It's, it's, like, I, it's like muscle memory. It's like you just go to it. I, I, I've had spots where I've deleted all the apps off because I was like, I'm just I'm, like, this is not important. I'm wasting too much time. It's like concentrate on the art. Yeah. Like, so. It's about my wife. It's like my kid. There's people yeah. in the room that yeah. mean something, not a plate of food in Brooklyn that looks pretty. <laughs> yeah. But there's also like, it's just that thing as well of like, I'm just picking something up and, and just doing it out of habit to like, you know, where it almost becomes like a nervous tick. Yeah. It's like if something's going on in a room or, you know, it's like, oh, shit, I was looking at my phone. <laughs> Escaping, yeah. yeah. That was the thing. I was avoiding. It was avoidant behavior for me. Yeah. Um, I just, I just look at my phone. But, like, I got to a point where I'm, I'm pretty well – well, I am in control of it. It's like I'm like Instagram, fucking Twitter. Like these are all one-way conversations for me now. Like they used to be like debate platforms. Now this is a one-way conversation. It's like you will just get, you know, that. that This is me, my message, rah, rah, rah. This is not a place for discussion. There it is. Fuck off. I'm going to go write a song now. <laughs> let my, in the old ways, let the music do the talking. For like, real. Like, yeah. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go write some jokes. Like, yeah. like. This is just a it's, – it's a, it's a billboard now. It's like it's an announcement. Like I'm not here to have conversations with Darren with the fish. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm not going to argue with a blo- – I'm not going to argue with a jet ski. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm not here to argue with a racist sunset. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this is, not, this is not what I'm here for. You Darren know? with the fish. It's always fucking Darren with the fish. You know what? That's his hero shot on Tinder oh, as well. Bro. Bro. That's him, mate. Controlling. That's his control. I have the fish. I am the only one who has the fish. No one else has this fish. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where like, I just like, stopped um, you know, the interaction. Because, like, it, it wasn't helpful. But the other thing, like, especially, like, around Facebook and stuff, the interaction that I had with, like, ignorant bigots and whatever, it wasn't helpful for um, my younger fans. So I was, like, I started to be mindful of that. It's like, fuck. Like, they're coming through to check music and they see me arguing with 
with racists. It's like, yeah, look, like some people might get a kick out of it, have some fun, but for some other kids, it might not be that great. So I've got to be mindful of that to, you know, make sure that, you know, not to like try to shelter people from whatever because it's a, it's a big wild world, but there's definitely a, a point where you have to be like, look, this is my space, I control it. So if they don't need to see it, then I have to address that. I'm, I'm actually right now, you're a stronger man than I, Briggs, because I'm looking to get someone to, to run that stuff for me. Oh, man, I'd love to have someone do it uh, for me. It's just the thing is, is like, I think the appeal for social at my level is the fact that people know that it's me. So that's the appeal. And I was talking to, like, my mates about this all the time. I was like, man, imagine, like, back in the, like, back in the day, you had to, like, fill out a form, write a letter to the Tupac fan club <laughs> and send that letter and it would go to a distribution place where probably some old white dude who hates his job <laughs> sends you back a picture of Tupac. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was as close as you got to an interaction with your favourite artist. And now it's like... It's this bombardments of tweets and and you know what I mean, like Instagram and like all these. There's so much access to the to the artist that the like people expect it. It's expected of you to be, you know, this person and that person all the time. And it's like that's exhausting. That could be exhausting. So it's like, bro, like I like know for a fact some people have had some shitty interactions with me because like. I'm not always on, man. <laughs> I'm not always on. Like sometimes, like sometimes I just don't give a fuck. And that's just who I am. Like I'm a country kid from Shepparton, and Victoria. Sometimes I just don't give a fuck and I don't feel like talking. You know what I mean? Like nine times out of ten, I'm good. I've never turned down a picture for a kid. You know what I mean? Like my young fans or whatever. But if you're old enough to be told to fuck off while I'm eating lunch, you know, sometimes that could happen. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Like, because yeah. like, people, people can be rude. Yeah. Like, that was, I've had people, like, sit down at my table, man. Like, ready to chop it up. Like, hey, that thing you said, like, I've got XYZ points to bring up with you. Like, bro, this is not the time and place. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're really in my zone right now. This is a bad place for both of us. I don't want to be here. You're up, you're up in my space, man. Like, for real. Step away from the table. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that happened to you, man. It's, it's like, crazy. It's well, crazy. I, I, it might it might be a, an offshoot from, you know, if you've grown up having that kind of access that you describe. Yeah. It is like, of course, this person's. I can walk up and talk to this person. Of course, this person's my friend. Of course, I can engage with them in public. Yeah. I see no barrier. I see no difference. Yeah. And then it might be the you know what it might be the very first time that person's ever done that. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, actually, no. There's there's protocol here. Uh, yeah. developed over hundreds and thousands of years <laughs> that is there for a reason. Yeah, it's, it, yeah people's entitlement has, like, grown exponentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like everyone expects everybody to be on and mm. to be that person. And available. Like, yeah. And, and I'm, like, for I'm, it. I'm like, bro, like, for real. The other thing was, like, early on in my career, like, you know, growing up where I grew up, if someone walked up to you and was calling out your name – they were looking to offer you out for fight. So it was always like a like back foot, like this this dude wants something. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna have to, 
you know, punch on. But, like, you know, you, you unlearn these things as well to relax a bit. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's still going to be there. I've been to Shep a bunch of times. One of my, one of my good friends is from Shep. It's a beautiful place, man. Bro, this is, it's really funny, man, because, like, we met in Shep. Shut up. When did we do that? Bro, we met in Shep, man. When I was, I was, I was a baby, I would have been 17. Was it at one of those bus shows? Yeah. I was thinking that this morning. I'm like, I wonder if he came. Yeah, I wrapped it. I wrapped down the barrel of the camera. Shut up. I took the mic off you and I wrapped down the camera. Were you awesome? Yeah, I was, I've always been did nice. Did I high five you or something? Yeah, I've always been Fucking nice. Fucking good. I'm <laughs> so grateful. <laughs> it was funny, man. Because like, some guys would get up and... This is what, 2002? Yeah. Three? 2002, right? yeah. But a little white kid, like yeah. a 15 year old white kid, would get up and word for word spit out some Wu Tang. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. N is yeah, every yeah. third word. And I'll be jumping on him like, you can't do that. No. But he's 15. Yeah. He doesn't know. He loves the RZA. He doesn't know why he can't oh, say that bro. word. And I, I remember some of those times I just, because we're live, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. like fucking <laughs> grabbing the mic back off them, <laughs> thinking we're going to Oh, get. man. Yeah, like. Tell me about that moment because I, you know, I was uh, like, to be honest, Briggs, I was drinking a lot on those, yeah. you know, on those adventures. No so doubt. they're pretty, they're <laughs> no pretty, doubt. pretty blurry. Bro, I was day drinking a fair bit by yeah, then. Yeah, I was, I would have been, I would have been 16 or 17, I reckon. And then someone told me like the Channel V bus was was down at the lake yeah at the skate park and i was like oh word yeah they're doing they're doing like raps and rah rah and i was like oh word and i was like and i just thought to myself I was like i'm gonna get on tv <laughs> and i just went down there and and like i kind of like you know worked my way to the front of the thing and like i, it, I wasn't trying to be on the on the stage because like I think you were host like you were doing something where like someone was like doing like a because my mate ended up on stage with twenty eight days or some shit Matt Matt Garthwaite homeboy he um, Matt Kant he's a producer DJ phenomenal phenomenal dude and like anyway I went down there I think you kind of interviewed me or something and I just grabbed the mic and I just started rapping down the camera. <laughs> My, my eight bar verse that I'd worked on, you know, that I had in my back pocket for all that time. And that was like, it, it's a, it was like, looking back at it now, it's funny because it's like, that's a good indication of, of what I was doing and where my mindset was at for my whole career. It was like where, you know, where what luck is, is where, you know, opportunity and being ready is. You know what I mean? That's the crossroads. That's what luck is. So I grabbed the camera, I grabbed the mic and I went for it, man, straight down the barrel. Do you have <laughs> the footage? It's somewhere, I know that. Because, like, I remember my, like, one of my media teachers had it. Like, he, he saved it for me. And I was like, yes. So it exists somewhere, me, you know, like, a, me looking like a, a younger version of this. <laughs> I was so happy that you had that moment. Those, there was a, a few of those things happened when we were on those tours. We'd just meet these kids in, I don't know, Broken Hill or Dubbo or yeah. Brockhampton or whatever, and there'd be a thousand people there, and there'd be this one kid. Because you, you've been doing this long enough that yeah. enough people have come to you and said, check out my verse, check out my verse, oh, all right? Wow. And for a thousand of them, number 589, you'll go, you've got it. Yeah. You've got it. All right, keep working, but it's there. I see it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I see it. And every now and again, you'd be like, oh, okay, just don't fucking stop because yeah. that's it. Well, that that's was the it. whole thing with it. I was like, for me, it wasn't anything beyond I'm just going to get on TV. 
and like all the boys was there, we, we, we were hanging out in the mall. I was like, yeah, what's this? And the bus pulls up, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, there it is. You know? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. All right, right. Like I always managed to, I don't know, I always managed to weasel my way into these activities. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that you had that focus there and in the same way that you just want to, at the gym, pick this up, put this down. You just had that singular, no, this is the direction I'm going. These are the steps that I'm taking. Yeah. How early did that start for you? How early was it like, I don't know, I'm going to rap? Um, I always wanted to rap. I always but from loved. when? When did you know you could? When did you realise that someone, you went, oh, that's, I want that. It wasn't until I was a teenager that I realised that it was actually possible. See, like, because, like, Growing up where I grew up in the country, it's like I, I understood how guitars worked and I, I didn't know how they made the music. Like I, I, I didn't understand, you know, synths and drum machines. I didn't I, like computers and whatever. I wasn't clued in and no one around me was clued in either. But I understood how guitars worked. So my whole point was like, all right, I'm going to learn how to play guitar because like the whole idea of it was I like started the mailroom. You know what I mean? At least I'm in the building. That was always my focus. It's like, all right, I know I want to make rap music, but I can't do that right now. So I'll start here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start making tunes. I'm going to start working. I just want to be around music. And to the point where I was like 15 and then like kind of got the internet and, and rah, rah, rah. That's when I was like, ah, it started to click. And then other people were rapping and there was like, you know, little sprinkles over here and there and then I just got I was just like fuck it I can do this I could do, you know like why not that was the question because like you were always told rapping is American I was like yeah well so is rock music like what's the difference you know what I mean like everything's American they're doing everything like movies are American too why don't we just stop doing that as well so like that was the whole point and to my my values of what I I focused on I was like it I can do it, you know what I mean? And I never lost focus of that, of anything. Like my goals were always, well, I'd like to think pretty realistic. <laughs> and each time I set goals, I managed to achieve them. I don't know if I was like setting like goals that were too low, <laughs> but like I was managing to achieve it and get amongst it. I was like, I was like okay, just keep working, just keep working. And that, that was the whole thing, it's like, I think the, the thing that, that sets you apart from like success, the thing that sets people apart is what you're willing to sacrifice for it, what you're willing to give up, like the, the hard work, the really hard stuff that, that sucks and makes you quit. That's, that's the difference. It's all the people that didn't get back up from that or didn't want to do it or couldn't hack it, you know what I mean? Like that's what sets people apart. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I was having that conversation with my Uber driver yeah. this morning. We were talking about television and he goes, yeah, I'd like to learn that. I said, mate, you got a phone, just make it. And yeah. he's a Pakistani guy. And I'm yeah. like, just, you know, you love the IPL? Love the IPL. All right, man, we'll do a three-minute video about the IPL every week yeah. and do a hundred of them. Yeah, get and then, good. And get, that's it. There's, <laughs> it's like you wouldn't jump in a, in a light plane with someone that hadn't done 10,000 hours. Yeah, for real. You know, you got to... Do it, you got flight miles. That's the only way. Bro, that was the whole thing with my motto, man. I was like, just do it. Just have a shot. It's not brain surgery. No one's going to die. You know what I mean? Like, it was like such a big thing to come over, especially in like indigenous communities, to come out and be 
something more than, you know what I mean, to come over self-confidence and, you know, self-determination and trying to instill these things in the community around you as you're doing it as well. It's like it's a lot of work, but it's so important because it's like you didn't do this yesterday, but you're doing it today. Imagine what else you could do. You know what I mean? Like that was always my focus. It's like I could do this, man. Like shit, they're not that good. <laughs> was there someone in your life that helped you helped you see that, or was there something that you were inspired by that gave you that message? Um, I think just everything that was moving around me, like at in Shepparton at home, like with my old man and the footy club. He has the unseen the moves he made to um, build up this pillar of the community that everyone lives off all these offshoots that everyone that creates so many jobs and employment and opportunity and just like the little wins that I was having on my own I was like if I keep winning if I keep doing these little wins because like for each little win there's a hundred losses you know what I mean but like whatever you're gonna lose you know what I mean it's like it's like a you know the perfect analogy for for this kind of stuff is like boxing, man. It's like you're going to get punched. You know what I mean? It's a it's a fight. You're going to get punched and it's going to hurt. But you know what I mean? Like you're going to throw some punches and they're going to land and you're going to and you're going to win. You know what I mean? Like that's the whole point. You just, you just keep going through it. You keep getting it. You know what I mean? Like so, I just never, I I never wavered against that. It's like I always knew. You know what I mean? I always had this disgusting self determination <laughs> this, this thing in me that said that you're as good if not better than you know what I mean and like you can tell these stories and there's only one of you you know like and it, it's not to say that there's only one of me and there can be only one there's a there's only one of a lot of people you know what I mean like I'm just one of me and I'm just trying to do what I do and fit in you know where I fit in and there's going to be room and like just being realistic about stuff it's like it's not going to last forever but it's going to be good while it's here in Shepparton where you grew up uh with your family was there I only know what it is to be a, a white immigrant who grew up in Brisbane all right I was a baby when we came here yeah how early on did you realize that you know oh I call a lot of people uncle but only you have only one uncle, and I have seventeen. How early did you realize that structures are different, and that your uh, your culture is different? Straight from, away. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I've always like I can't remember a moment where I was like, "Oh, we're different." It was always just like, "Oh, this is this is what this is," and the outside is a lot different. You know what I mean? So it it. There was never. It wasn't a point where I was like, "Hey, we're all the same." Mm. It was always like, "No, no, no, no. We are. This, this is something else." But outside, like looking outside, it was always like, "Fuck, that's weird." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like having aunties that you never see and other family that you walk past in the street and you wouldn't know who they are, or you know what I mean? Like scheduling in and penciling in times when when family would come over because like man my uncles would just rock up at the door 6 a.m and be like what are you sleeping you know <laughs> you know what i mean and like that's that's just the way we grew up it's like the door was unlocked people would just walk in and out and that's just how like it's, it's hard to look at it feel like anything but 
that was normal because that that is your normal. Whatever you grew up with is kind of your normal. It wasn't until it's not until you're outside and you're really like getting this like you know scientific look at everybody else and mean like like really breaking it down like oh okay or you go over to sleep over at timmy's house and you go wow it's different oh bro like i had like i remember being asked to leave um kids houses like when they found out i was black fella for real like they'd be like oh who are you like oh man briggs and like oh you're briggs are you? you know you can go when did you get home now we're gonna have dinner at three <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean so it's like there's, there's a lot of those kind of stories but like that's the town I grew up in man. it was like it was like it was super duper super yeah, I'm just trying to think how old, this is like mid 90s that would have been happening yeah I was talking about it not long ago man um, that like you know we the Rumbler Footy Club joined the Division 2 Goblin Valley and, and there was a team 20 minutes from Shepherd and half an hour from Shepherd and um, called the All Blacks that were affectionately known as the niggers. And this is like 98, 99. Like this isn't the 70s, you know what I mean? Like or the 60s or the 50s. This is 98, 99. Everybody knows better. <laughs> but it's the arrogance. And um, yeah, so like, you know, they'd be like, come on, the niggers. I was like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like we were like, are they going for us? <laughs> <laughs> but like and then you know their 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 club song was yeah they've real. got a club song yeah they had the club oh we're from Niggerland it was like you know Tigerland whatever whatever you know what I mean like it, like it sounds extreme but that's because like, it is yeah but like we grew up in that absurdity yeah you know what I mean like we grew up like like that's where we grew up that's the absurdity we grew up in you know and and these kinds of attitudes still float around. Float around, man. Those people are people's parents. Yeah. There's guys who are in their 20s who got raised by those men who sang that song. And they, honestly, I have to look at it, freaks, yeah. and go, they're not a bigot because they hate. They just don't know any better. Yeah. They it's, just don't know any other reality. Yeah, it's, and that's what I mean. Like, that's their normal. Yes, and they, they've just never been exposed to anything else, so why? Like, we all know that it's not normal, but that's their normal. Yeah. If you grew up surrounded by this, it's like that's why so many, like, I'd get in so many fights and stuff as kids because, like, someone would just drop Abo, Coon, whatever, in a, in a sentence, and I'd bang, like, straight away like with like i just had this switch and i would just let it fly like you just get punched in your mouth straight away like i've i've tempered that and i've learned to control that but that like that was my go-to response <laughs> and like you know it's like you know you'd all like you, you'd always be in all these tussles and like this kid would be getting punched in his face be like what the fuck man you know what i mean like he wouldn't like, he would know, like, oh, shit, I just said that. But, like, when that's what's being talked about at home and how that's flying at home and that's what, you know, because you don't get punched in your face when you say it at home because that's how dad talks, you know what I mean? So you take, like, it's a danger, man. You send your kids out in the world with these kinds of attitudes that they can, you know, say these things. Like, bro, kid like me might punch you in your face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
advocate for violence to oh, some no, of these no, things. No, no, not anymore. But I understand. <laughs> no, like I, I wasn't advocating for violence either. It was like it was just like that was just like yeah. What happened? Like like I don't like I'd tell everyone like don't punch people in their face. Don't do that anymore. You can't like it's. You can't do that anymore. But I get it. Yeah, but... I get why 15-year-old you did it. Bro. But, like, it started really early from, like, you know, like, people's, like, recollection of racism, you know, often floats around their adolescence, early adulthood. But, man, I remember when I was a kid, like, when I was, like, in primary school. You know what I mean? And this kid would say, oh, like, because I was fair-skinned, dude, as well. You know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, oh... But you're not a real abo. Plow! Punch in your face real quick. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, and, and they'd be like, what just happened? And, like, everyone's confused. He's, he's bleeding out of his nose. I'm upset. Everyone's angry. You know what I mean? Like, teachers don't know how to deal with it because they're not taught either. Um, they're just like, oh, don't say that again. And you, you don't punch people who say that. It's like, well, fuck. Like, they, like, everyone was so unequipped to deal with this really ugly side of what Australia is. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you came home with the note that said Briggs punched someone in his face, what did your folks do? Oh, they got it. They weren't about, like, I'd always be in trouble, but they understood they know that I wasn't that kind of kid. I wasn't punching people for fun. It's like if I punched a kid in his face or this kind of thing happened, you know, they, they understood because my parents are both, you know, intelligent, hard-working people. So there was, like, talks, you know, this can't happen like because it's only going to work out bad for you. You need to, you know, rein this in. But they were also, like, more so at the school at wherever it's like you need to you know he's not punching no one for for no reason at all Mm. you know what I mean this is like the schools like from primary school to high school that was so that was so unequipped to deal with this and like almost arrogantly so like we don't have to deal with this it's like it's like I remember like the teachers at my first high school, they were just like, you know, some girl was walking around with, like, she was, like, constantly on some racist joke shit. And I'd found out, and she found out that I'd found out. And she'd, like, shoot herself. Like, she was absolutely terrified. 
And I was like, like I hadn't done anything. And then I remember, you know, the vice principal coming to me and me getting in trouble because this girl was terrified of what I might do. I was like, like what about her? And she's and the principal was like, oh, she's scared enough. I think that's that's punishment enough for her. And that was it. Like that's the end of that. You know what I mean? So nobody's learning. You Is know? there anything different now? I'm not feeling it. Like I don't feel the difference at all. It's still like the the exclusion is still because that's what you know the racism is it's exclusion it's like it's still there it's like begrudgingly they you know have to and I'm you know I do things on a macro level that they have to deal with I put billboards up I you know what I mean I make these songs that you know that talk to the world and talk to the country I deal I put things out on a macro level so they have no choice but to deal with it. Mm. They have no choice but to address this gigantic elephant that I keep pushing into the room mm. because that was part of the plan of everything I was doing was about making it too much to avoid. It's like you're not – it's like if you avoid talking about this, you know what I mean? It's like it's really obvious you're avoiding it because everyone's looking at it. You know what I mean? Like so – it's got to be undeniable. Yeah, it has to be a presence. Like everything I've done has always been tied to more of a movement rather than just a singular song. Because a singular song or a singular thing is like, it's boring, it's whatever. You try something to a movement, it can live forever. You know what I mean? I mean, I think of... Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Black and what Chuck D did with the Martin Luther King Day in Arizona. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, stuff like that. That's yeah. still a, I can dance to that song. Yeah. Badly, like a white guy, <laughs> but I can dance to that song. <laughs> Bro, Flavor Flavor dance horribly too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Flavor's a complicated cat, man. Flavor's done some shit that I don't know if I can 100% agree with. No, he's, he's, he's very hard to defend. <laughs> he is very hard to defend. What's that Chris Rock line? You're making it hard. You're making it from the window to the wall. <laughs> hard to defend. Making it hard to defend. But like, yeah, like, you know, it was always about being more than just a song because mm. like if that's what I mean it means more when it's tied to a movement when it's tied to a thought when it's tied to an idea mm. like I you know did with life life is incredible it's about tying it to something that people understand and know the stats but it's not personified it's like they could ignore it because it's just numbers on a brochure but when it's... You're talking about life expectancy of Indigenous yeah, yeah, Australians. Yeah. I'm talking about, yeah, mortality rates, right? I said in an interview, you know, this week, I said, man, I'm going to have to start drawing comparisons of Indigenous life expectancy to Australian cricketers because that's the only time everyone gives a fuck. The, the, the nation stopped when someone was fucking around with a cricket ball. <laughs> the nation stopped. Everyone was was up in arms when someone stuck some chewing on a ball just to make a swing different. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's the perfect analogy. Like if I start, like, if Australian cricketers were dying at the rate that Indigenous Australians are dying, 
the nation would stop again. How do we save Warney? We've got to protect our assets. What's the, what's the stats? Oh, man, it's like we die 10 years before at least. But, yeah. but what are the 20 years leading up to that? Yeah. Look like probably not great. No, it's not fantastic. You're not up and about no, well, playing with like, the kids. Well, all the other stats are like are horrible too. Like, you know, the suicide rate is what it is. Mental, you know, it's more susceptible to mental health issues, health issues, and, you know, employment rate. And for me, the way I look at it, it centers around racism and exclusion and people's self-worth. It's like if you push people out so far and their self-worth is is so far down, you know what I mean? It affects every aspect of your life from your health to your mental health, which should be looked at as the same thing, you know what I mean? Or should be respected as the same thing. And that reflects in every aspect of your life because you don't have that. You, you, you've got no foundation. And so to bring it back to the video clip, when people are dying, there's layers to the clip too because, like, the idea of, like, it's funny and it's really dark, but the idea of the clip was, like, is like, you know, we're bowling over Mickey O'Loughlin who's dead on the on the lawn. And the idea behind that is, like, blackfellas are expected to just get up, move on, keep going. You know what I mean? Like, there's not, you know, time to grieve is whatever. It's, like, because, you know, we died like that. So... We're expected to move on and get it together, and and we do, you know what I mean? But it's like if, as I said, Australian cricketers, if they were out there just <laughs> just just carking it on the on the pitch, mate, just down behind the crease, there'd be a national yeah, here's inquiry. This, here's this young, gifted. Oh, here's this cricketer who was gifted in his time and he's about to move into a coaching, maybe a managerial role where he can help the community of cricketers be even better, oh, but only for five more years because yeah, yeah. then he'll be dead. Like where, where would Australian cricket be without those guys who were <laughs> exactly. in their 50s and 60s who are helping the young guys come up? I mean, Shane Warne was taught the flipper by Richie Benno, all yeah, right? Yeah. You know, it's like without that, right. there would be no warning. But what if Richie Benno had died 10 years before <laughs> exactly. that? Exactly. And, and, and that's what I mean, like, I, you know, I'm just trying to meet, you know, the rest of Australia halfway. It's mm. like, well, fuck, look, all right, if I, I, I don't really watch cricket, but I can, fuck, if I can explain it to you in cricket terms, maybe I can read, it's like learning a new language. <laughs> um, I do love the video. It's darkly funny. Um, you also shot a bit of it near my house, which is pretty cool. Oh, where? Yeah, yeah. I live about, I don't know, about 2Ks from that bowling club. Nice. Yeah, by the cemetery there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we live on the other side of the cemetery in a little, okay. a little apartment about half the size of this, actually, because <laughs> that part of the city's fucking bananas. Paint twice as much. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> don't move to Sydney. Uh, it's three of us, two dogs and a baby on the way. I don't know what the fuck we're going to do, Briggs. Um, but, I, like I said, I grew up in Brisbane. I'm happy to, you know... Just it's a nice part of the world, though. It is a lovely part of the world. Um, but did you shoot the dance scene in the, in the uh, Marigville Bowling Club? Yeah. I went to a rave there around the, <laughs> around the time that I met you. And I can't even tell you the kinds of drugs that I was taking that night. But I remember that roof. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they used to have the – they had a, they had a oh, I can't know, black market, I think, with the raves. They did them once okay. a month or something. They put black plastic on the windows because they would go till noon or oh, one the man. next day. But it was yeah. It's a pretty grim. Yeah, it's, I can feel it now. Yeah, I remember. 
I remember I had, it was, I don't know, I took some drugs and the drugs that I was taking made me want to vomit a lot. And I remember being like having, you know, feeling the effects of these drugs and then puking on the, on the bowling lawn, on the bowling green with this uh, lady I was with. Um, rubbing my back going it's okay it happens all the time it's fine it happens all the time <laughs> like, it's, just, it's good it's good it's, it's all right that was, good. Weird, that was a weird it's night. a weird time yeah yeah it yeah. was so great uh, the Nakia Louis being fished out of a pool with pool noodles <laughs> oh, that was oh that was Shari that oh, was, was Shari. It? yeah Shari oh, sorry. me and Nakia were poolside Shari Shari took the L on that one <laughs> I, I, I gave her I gave her an expensive bottle of liquor for that um, <laughs> she was she was MVP it's a cracking track and it, it speaks on, on so many levels, you know, because I guess for, I look at it as well and I'm like, you know, let's compare it to, I mean, I look, I look at my kid, you know, and, and she's 15. I'm like, oh, she's not got access to the world that the people who are making decisions now had access yeah. to and they don't know any different. They're like, why not? Just, yeah, just buy a third, third investment property, mate. We did. It's like, yeah, the investment <laughs> properties didn't, that cost 15 times less when you bought it. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, let's get the, another one. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Bro, it's, you know, it's crazy. Like people, that's how people talk, man. Like, and it's funny, dude, like, because my parents in the 80s or, you know, early 90s, late 80s got knocked back buying a house. They were knocked back. The first house, one of the first houses they went for, they were knocked back. Simple fact, because they were indigenous. You know what I mean? So it's like, We've only, just in the last 50 years or so, been allowed to have ownership. 52 years ago, you weren't <laughs> counted as a human being. Mate. Exactly. There's and people alive that voted on that. Exactly. And that's, the whole, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like we weren't allowed to own things. Fuck. So, you know what I mean? Like everyone's, I put, if you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, you'd be, you know, it's like, no. You ha- it's like having inherited wealth isn't really a thing for us. Intergenerational wealth doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. We are, we, we're only just starting that. Mm. You know what I mean? So this whole idea about, well, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's like, bro, we just got the boots. <laughs> we don't have the straps yet. You won't let us, you won't let us have <laughs> the straps. We're not yeah. allowed to have no, the straps. we've got to wait another 50 years for some straps. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? So, you know, what I'm talking about in... In the song, you know, it, it is. It's a you know, it's a buzzword that that sends everyone nuts. Is white privilege mm-hmm. or the buzz phrase? And so many dudes and women, whatever you know what I mean, get their back up about it because the idea is, you know, privilege means I got this, I got it easy, I got it for free. You know, <laughs> I didn't hard work every day. It's like no, dude. It's, it's the obstacles you don't have to face that we have to face just by virtue of our race and where we're born and who we are and the systemic structure that we exist in that means that we are dying earlier, that we are more susceptible to these health issues. You know what I mean? These, all these things that you don't have to face. I, I explained it to a dude one time because he was like, he was, my, he was a friend of mine, and he said, he's like, I don't get it, Briggsy, because, like, me and you are mates, and we've always been mates, and, you know, like, we live pretty much the same. I was like, but, you know, Chris, like, in the morning when 
when we wake up, to say we both wake up in our respective beds at 7 o'clock. Even before we get out of bed, I'm more likely to be arrested and incarcerated. I'm more likely to not wake up at all. I said, that's what the privileges do. Before we even do anything, the base level, before we even get out of bed, before we even start my Carter coffee routine, dude, I'm, I'm already so many steps behind you. It's not to say that you've had it easy. It's to say that these are the obstacles that we have to navigate. That's what it is. We all know you work hard. Everybody works hard. We have to work 10 times as hard to get almost as much. It's the thing that so many people don't consider because they've never experienced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've never experienced it. And you you showed it a bit in the video for Australia Day when you you flipped the day around and it was was a white person living in an Aboriginal world. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll never forget. Like I said, I grew up in Brisbane. My life very different to what it was then. And I think I made my first Indigenous friend when I was 19. So that says something. And he wasn't even from Brisbane. He'd come in to do this TAFE course uh, in South Bank in Brisbane. But I was 19 before I I met my first person that I could call a friend that was Indigenous Australian. That you know of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, no one, no one, are you saying no one, no one outed themselves? Yeah. Yeah, it's possibly. That's quite possibly true. Yeah, for real. It happens. Yeah, I I can guarantee it. It happens. Yeah, yeah. It happens. Certainly in Queensland. It was racist as shit when I got up there. It probably still is. Um, But But I like, but, but you know what I mean? Like, People's people's interaction, you know what I mean, with themselves in their environment, you know what I mean? It's hard for them to see outside of yeah. their world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when especially these days, when your world is fucking tailored to you. In your phone. Here's your subscription. This is all the shit you like. It's yeah. gonna come to you every day. Here's your subscription to TV. Here's all the shows you like. These are the shows you watch. You know what I mean? And we're never going to show you anything that makes you feel at all uncomfortable or exposes you to anything you don't already like. So you'll never see the fact that parts of Melbourne are just rapidly expanding with immigration, African immigration. You won't realise that. And then you'll drive down the street and suddenly you're going to see no white people and you're going to panic. But it's been going on for years, but but you've been been ignoring it because you're in your Facebook world where you just ignore things you don't like. Yeah. And that's all. And everyone's life is tailored to what they want. Everything from your subscription service to the music you like, all your playlists are there. Mm. Your algorithms are all figuring out all the things you like to the point where they show you different artwork. You will get different artwork on on the subscription service to me. On Spotify? On anything. Really? Yeah. So, like, if you're really into Channing Tatum... And I'm I'm not so much into Channing Tatum. We'll get a different picture for Magic Mike. <laughs> when we when we dial it up on Netflix. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You want know to heard yesterday? If you've got your MacBook Air over there. Yeah. And I've got my shitty ninety nine dollar Lenovo laptop over here, and we both go search for an airfare. Yeah. We will get different prices. Oh what? Because you. It sends what kind of device you're looking yeah. at, and they go, he can afford it. He can afford it. How fucked yeah. up is that? Yeah, I need to work off my missus' laptop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, She's got a horrible laptop. 
but I, you know, I guess you know. I remember like what I, where I was going with that is like I was I was 24 before I, before I, I travelled overseas properly. I've been to New Zealand for a ski trip, but I I was 24 before I travelled overseas. And I remember being with my friend who's Ugandan, yeah. and we were in London. I remember walking behind her as we went into a store, and I was I was like caught up by something at the front of the shop. And she was a few steps ahead of me and the shop assistant, not the manager, the shop assistant basically broke step right in behind her yeah. and just kind of spied her the whole time. I'm like, afterwards, I'm like, does that happen? She goes, oh, that, that happens every fucking day. Yeah. Every day. And, and she is well put together. She yeah, is yeah, yeah. stylish as fuck. She's like a Vogue magazine when yeah. she walks around. She never leaves the house, not just like, I am going to explode in fashion today, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, hard. And people was like two steps behind her to make sure. I was like, and she's like, yeah, that's my life. You don't, you don't, you don't know that? Every fucking day that happens to me. Yeah, man. And like, I think this is the sort of thing you're talking about is like, before she gets out of bed, she knows if I'm going to go to the shops today, people are going to put upon me that I am criminal in some way yeah. just, just because of the way I look. And yeah. that's, I'm going to deal with that shit as I walk around the shop trying to buy food for my kid. For real. Yeah, it happens. Like, I, I know exactly what I look like as well. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm under no, no delusions. Like, I've got, I, I look like a thug. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm covered in tattoos. I've got a beard. You know what I mean? I look like I'm pissed off all the time when I'm, when I'm just thinking. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm very much aware, but it's like, it's a different kind of thing you have to deal with every day. Every day. Like, in all these different, like, I used to get bad anxiety just meeting new people. I didn't like to meet new people, especially dudes who thought they were funny. Because I'm like, all right, he's, he's working for his routine, yep. All right, when's, when's he going to get to his racist stuff? He's working for all these jokes, yep. When's he going to get to his racist stuff? I know it's coming. And the worst part about it, it was like nine times out of ten, they worked towards that racist stuff. And there was a real anxiety about, like, I didn't like meeting new people. I was like, I don't want to meet new people, man. I'm over meeting new people because there was that apprehension of, you know, dudes getting super comfortable really quickly and then bang, there it was. You know what I mean? Because it was so prevalent in my life. I think when I hear you speak about your mate and the conversation you had about privilege, for me, when I see reaction to people talking about privilege, there's almost a feeling of, but if I give that person something, I lose what I've got. Yeah, yeah. But that's not it. No. It's not like pie. No. I think that's what they have people believe. It's like you don't lose anything by other people gaining equity and equality. You don't lose anything. You don't lose anything. And I think, like, you know, once people can get their mind around that the fact that you're not losing anything there's nothing to lose you know what i mean odds are you never had it <laughs> you know it's it's just all these perceptions and and the fears that they because the fear is the easiest thing to sell it's the easiest thing to sell is fear because everyone has it and everyone gets it amplified and it's really easy to amplify happiness is a little bit different Different things make people happy. Fear, fear is really easy. When I first saw the video for Australia Day, 
I, and I've, I kind of wanted to, I was at once I was stoked that the show work on is nominated is, is mentioned in it because <laughs> I was like yeah that's right and I was like I wonder and I kind of wanted to be like I, no I won't say it because that's just me being fucking uh, <laughs> look at me I'm so fucking virtuous um <laughs> But I, I read a lot of books about a fuckload of massacres. <laughs> well, I do. Yeah, word. And it's really important because I never got taught that at school. Yeah. You know, I never got taught it. And I, then- I think that's the difference between what the people who deliver the product mm. to the people that consume the product. True. It's the difference. Like, yeah, you would read the book about I the do. massacres. Yeah. Oh, I've read a lot of them. Yeah, and a lot of people who are on our playing field do do the knowledge. It's the regular consumer mm. and the punter. It's the goggle box. <laughs> well, that's a, yeah. I actually kind of like the casting on that show. They, they're very clever. Yeah, the I was they. just generalizing. No, I appreciate that. For fun. Um, but <laughs> I, I remember when I first started exploring kind of non-traditional lines of, I guess, white savior history that, yeah. you know, this country was saved by the British, which is what we got in Queensland. Um, you got it everywhere. Yeah, okay. I realized that with every paragraph I read, with every page I turned, I just knew less and less and less. As I gained more and more knowledge, yeah. what I was uncovering was just like the fucking final scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like, <laughs> there's so much here. Yeah. If anyone's interested, I would say The Other Side of the Frontier by Henry Reynolds would probably be a good place to start. Dark Emu yeah. by Bruce Pascoe is pretty fucking yeah. good. If you want an easy way in, David yeah. Hunt, Gert, just start with that. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, it's crazy. Like the, what we have here is, like, let's break it down like on a, on a PR level. Like mm -hmm. branding, Australia as a brand. We have the oldest living civilization on the planet. This is the oldest living culture still here on the planet. As a branding exercise and PR, we have not utilized that one iota. It's like Apple not releasing the iPhone. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like you have it. Why oh, that thing? Oh, do you reckon people would like that? It's just an iPhone. Like you reckon? You reckon people get into that? It's like you, what you have is the most unique thing on the fucking planet, dude. On the these vast cultures and nations and languages and art and culture like stories and stories, wisdom story and, like, and technology yeah. of, of managing the land and there's right. so much right. and it's like nah but but barbies though <laughs> it's like yeah nah i've never heard of a barbecue in any other yeah like south americans probably might have some barbecues but they're not like ours but like this is what i'm talking about like as a like if you if you want to look at it like because like you know I'm often you know looking at my stuff as a brand and I was like look at Australia as a brand and you haven't released the iPhone Australia yeah it's there yeah. and you haven't utilized it one one moment one bit it's like you've yeah. you've flashed it around and like you know like you've shown bits and pieces you've dusted it off for NADOC week but <laughs> but like you haven't you haven't explored what that could mean culturally, yeah. not just for us, but to what we present 
yeah. to the world, to the to the rest of the to the rest of the planet. Like everything we have, it's it, everything that they've everything they present, everything that they that they rest their hats on, and is so surface level. It's so it's so shallow. I wonder if us as a country, you know, I see. Like as far as a path forward, yeah. for me the model would be. It is. I think the only thing in, in recent history would be South Africa. Yeah, it's like, okay, rewrite <laughs> the rules, rewrite the constitution, yeah, and then just get stuck in a truth and reconciliation. Just get in there, yeah, and just get get it all out. Because yeah. as you know, otherwise it's the awkward Christmas where we don't talk about the the uncle and the and the brother that yeah. had a massive fucking punch up, yeah. and they just sit there gritting their teeth. It's like, well, no, we've got it. We've got it. We've all got to heal for it. Yeah. And then, as a nation, we can all go somewhere else together. Right. It's all there. It's all there, man. It's all there to be. Like it is. We are like blackfellas have the most endearing culture. You know what I mean? It's all there, like to to teach. We're teachers. You know what I mean? Like it's what it's all about. Everything is there to be had. You know where's, I mean? where's the path forward for you? Man, the path forward for me, like what I focus on is always just, I focus locally, man. I just try to grow my community and grow artists and grow leaders out of, through my platform. You know what I mean? Like that's like, I just try to focus on, as, as I told you at the start, man, little wins. Just little wins, do it organically, and it will speak volumes. You know what I mean? Like, if you do it real, people notice. And I think that's, that's the truth of it. If you do it organically and you have these, like, perceived, like, little wins and, and like, if it's real, they last forever, man. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the, that's the best part. And so I just keep doing those. And hopefully that it you know, generates enough of a foundation and a platform that people can stand on it firmly and it can't be undone. That's what it's about. It's about doing things that can't be undone and creating a whole, creating a normality for Indigenous artists, you know, personalities to be who they are and not have to speak in like, all right, well, now that... AB Original's done, we'll take them out and we'll replace them with the new Indigenous Act and then they're done, yep, oh, AB Original back on cycle, we'll put them back in there you know what I mean, that there's room for everybody in you know, in all different kinds of facets of, of our industry and industries and everyone doing their part in their neck of the woods is what's going to change everything else You put a billboard up in your neck of the woods? Right <laughs> More billboards. That's the way forward. More if for people who haven't for people who haven't seen and like because podcasts live forever. People might be listening to this in five years. Yeah. Um, can you describe what it what it looks so like? I, yeah. So Pauline Hanson put a billboard up. Pauline Hanson is a white nationalist um, racist. Who's been to prison? Yeah. Who's, yeah. Who went to prison? <laughs> um, that was one of the original quotes for the billboard. Was Pauline Hanson has done more prison time than me? But I don't think ABC Legal are going to get it over the line, but uh, <laughs> because like it is an advertisement for the weekly, that the TV show that I'm on. 
So she put a billboard up in my hometown of Shepparton, which pissed me off. And it's like, well, you know, these things are considered, you know what I mean? So obviously, you know, there's a good chance of, of her getting some votes out of there. And the quote was? Um, I've got the guts to say what you're thinking, which is pretty rich, you know, thinking that everyone's a racist. But, <laughs> but um, I tried to buy the, the billboard in Shepparton, the other side of it, but it had already been bought a little bit in advance, so we missed out on that point. And I was like, find, you know, find another, <laughs> find another billboard. And we did, and it was on the way to Frankston, which is, you know, just outside of Melbourne, classic Pauline country on the way out there. And um, I bought the other side of it, and it just says, I can't wait to see the back of Pauline. And it has the back of her head mirrored, you know what I mean, as if it's the other side. And um, and a great, it, got, it got good traction. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, various people holding fish and jet skis and motorbikes get upset? Oh, bro, a thousand percent. But I, I don't read Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, man, this is a one-way conversation. There's yeah. my billboard. Hey, you know, Darren with the fish and Travis with the jet ski, go get your own billboard. You know what I mean? Take the time. Do what you do. You know what I mean? But there's mine. Go look at it. Yeah. I, mate, it was such a boss move. It was such a fucking <laughs> boss move. Um, yeah. I said little wins. Mate, it's a fucking billboard on the side of the highway <laughs> and it's so perfectly placed because it's one of those one of those billboards that kind of like at maybe a 30-degree angle yeah. to, to get the maximum uh, exposure to the oncoming traffic. And when you drive past it, it really like there's her on giving the smiley smile. And then on the other side of it, it looks like there's the back of her head and there's you giving it in a suit, giving it, giving it, you know, giving it a wink. The, the old presidential <laughs> fist thumb. It is. Barack did it. Clinton yeah. did it. Got to get the thumb above the forefinger. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't point. It's too aggressive. Yeah. But you can... Fist, a thumb point. Yeah, thumb point. Little tip of your thumb. Not aggressive. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And it works. It, it yeah. iterates every point that you make and it really gives it that presidential feel. <laughs> <laughs> you just spoke to me in bold type. It was beautiful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't. I, I get that people. I try to think about like, well, you talked about fear. You know, what are the people that are going to vote for her afraid of? You know, that's well. That, they told, they've told them they're going to lose everything. Yeah, they're going to lose their way of life. They're gonna, it's like, bro, you're not. It's like, how could you possibly lose your way of life when white people own everything out here? It's like. You own it, man. Like, you're not going to lose anything. You're not losing anything by, by having people come in and deliver delicious food and cuisine and culture. And, you know, it's just like, I, I just, like, for, for me, I'm like, it's such a bizarre thing to be so intimidated by another culture. Like, it's like, okay, whatever, man. Just, you know what I mean? It, it, like, for real, it does not bother me one bit. Like, I love going to the Vietnamese side of town, you know what I mean, and, and getting involved. It's like, it's good, you know what I mean? Like, you know, but when you tell someone, you're driving home that, that these people are violent and they're this and they're that and they're, they're coming to take, you know, they're going to they're gonna take over and they're going to, you know, they've got this new weird religion that's really angry and really, it's like, bro... Christians have been killing people for years, bro. 
You've been doing. You've been doing it. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. Nobody's taking your stuff, Trav. Nobody's taking your stuff, Darren. Trent, it's okay. Brendan, relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Trent, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> Kayla, just put it down. It's okay. Unlock the door. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you. Because, like, it doesn't scare me at all, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we implement Indigenous culture and make it cool and, and implement it into the space that I'm not thinking about, like, my space is being taken away. Like, they already took our space. You know what I mean? I think that's what they're scared about. It's like, oh, we know what we did to them. <laughs> That's what I was talking about before. Like deep yeah. in our hearts, we kind of know. Well, that was pretty <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that guilt sits in the back mm. of of the Australian psyche. Yeah, knowing that you know the wealth of this country yeah. was ill-gotten. You know what I mean? Like from mining to farming to everything, man. Like it's ill-gotten. Like people died for that, so you could do that. You know what I mean? Like, and not that long ago. No. And and I think like that's kind of what there you know sits in the back of people's minds but the idea that their way of life is being challenged is just bizarre because mm. it's it's really not it's like it, it's not going to change the way you drive to work you know what i mean like everything's going to be exactly the same mm. you're not being challenged like you know it's okay to be white it's incredible to be white. It always has been. When has it never not been okay to be white? I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day. I was like, I was like, you know, it's funny. Even time travel is a white privilege. Like we can only go forward, black fellas. Anytime we go back, it gets way worse. Unless we go like pre seventeen eighty eight. Oh fuck. <laughs> Shit man, you're right. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's just a funny idea. It's a good one. <laughs> and I want that to be a movie. <laughs> it's like, we can't go back. It sucks. But, like, that's what they're scared of. They've been issued this idea that everything's going to change. Everything's changing for the worse. It's like, no, it's not. You know, the first time she got to breathe was the Howard era. And then the second time she got breath was the Abbott era and it feels much worse now just because of the news cycle it feels way more prevalent than it ever has been I don't think it is any more prevalent it's just there's more access for to see it and it'll change but she'll go away and then she'll get breath again or someone like her will get breath again and that's just what it is is it up to us as a society to just kind of try to bring those people who are afraid and hold yeah. them by the hand and go, it's okay, man. It's going to be yeah, all right, Trent. It's going to be cool. Kayla, Trent, relax. <laughs> it's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Summer Nats will be there. <laughs> I, <laughs> I promise. Summer Nats isn't going anywhere. Yeah. You're still going to have V8 supercars. Yeah. I know it. It's written. <laughs> and yeah that's the whole yeah. it's up to the leaders 
of this country to acknowledge that that this isn't a, an attack on our way of life. This there is no attack. There, like it's to dismiss the fear mm. that people have to put a nation at ease. That's what you know what I mean. Like that's what, everyone's so fucking on edge, dude. It's like a, it's everyone is so on edge. Everyone's scared to say anything. Anyone's scared to to look at someone the wrong way. Everyone's so terrified, and it, like everyone's on edge. And it's up to the leaders of the country to relax the nation. You know what I mean? Like it's up to them to be like, no, it's okay. You know, and not to just you know. And to call things what they are, and to dismiss racism, because when you're talking about politics of the left and the right, like I have conservative friends, they're not racist. They're just more worried about the economy. They're more worried about their investment properties. You know what I mean? Like it's, I understand it. The the other side of the argument is not Pauline Hanson or Fraser Anning. They are hateful people hateful hateful people that is not the other side of the argument that is a, that's hate speech that's a hateful person that's what that is it's you know I, I, that's what bothers me the most is that we're giving this airtime because it's perceived as the other side of the of of the coin and it's not it's a whole other piece of trash in the gutter that everyone's looking at going, oh, but what about this piece of trash in the gutter that has something to say? You know what I mean? It's like, it's absurd that it's not steeped in, in any kind of, of fact and it's just hateful. That's all it is. And it has no place. It has no place to be amplified. It has no place to be discussed. It's not meant to be discussed. They discussed it in the 40s. Yeah, and the conversation was well and truly finished. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, now, the th that's the thing, you know, history goes in these cycles. Yeah. We know how this ends up. Yeah. It's not like we don't know, oh, wonder what will happen if we vilify points, parts of our community to the point where we're not allowing them to at all feel that they belong whatsoever. I wonder what they'll do when they organise. Yeah. Like, hmm. fuck, dude, we know how this works out. Yeah, we all know what this is. And... You don't negotiate with white nationalists, violent white nationalists. I'm not going to, like, that's not, we don't need to hear from them. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need to entertain that. Sunrise entertained that. And then they want to get on their virtuous high horse and try to chastise Pauline Hanson after giving her 18 months of airtime. God. If you calculated the amount of, like, <laughs> I, I used to work in Breakfast Radio, right? And in breakfast radio, you've got a bunch of TVs on so you can see who's yeah. on what. Fucking every second, second morning. It's like, what the fuck? What? I don't understand. Yeah. Like, why? Well, we all know why. Gets people watch, man. Yeah, it's clicks. Yeah, yeah. They've got to sell advertisement and they need X amount of people to watch to say during 7.30 to 8.30, we have this many million people and... If you want to advertise with us, it's going to cost you this many millions. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. And on that note, they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> Briggs, I'm so stoked that you came around today. And I'm stoked that you're, uh, you're touring 
because I was talking with Dicko the other day and we were talking about that music's gotten so fucking safe and no yeah. one's saying some shit that's important because when you put it in a song, it sits with you, you know? Yeah. And if there are songs that have an important thing to say, they're often shitty to dance to. Yeah. But yours aren't. No, I'm trying to... You, you got to find the balance. Yeah. You got to find the balance. Like Snoop Dogg said it, man. It's like you can have the, all the message you want, but if the song's not hot, people won't fuck with it. It has to... Yeah, the song's got to be slamming and then you do both. You know what I mean? It's it's not rocket science. It's music. <laughs> Mate, I hope the tour goes great. I hope you have a cracking time. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm glad. More billboards. You match fit? More everything. Bro, I've been fit. <laughs> I'm good. I lift things off the ground. I put them back down and I lift them back up. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, this has been st- – oh, I, I would talk to you for another hour, but I've got to get on a fucking plane and get back to my family. You're the best ever, man. Thanks for coming around. Easy, right? Thank you. Cool. That, my friends, was Briggs. You can find Briggs on Twitter. He's at Briggs, B-R-I-G-G-S. He's also on Instagram, Senator Briggs. You can find out more about Briggs, badapplesmusic.com.au. Um, I better pop up and bath a baby, a, a sandy baby. I tried to get most of the sand off him down the beach. He was not impressed at the shower. You know, you push the button and the water comes out by the beach. Not not impressed about that at all and it was a packed picnic area too and <laughs> I've got this wailing naked baby on my shoulder <laughs> hey, we've all been there we were all once that baby or we all once had that baby so it's no problem if you have any questions by the way questions about anything at all you can always email me I'd love to find out what's going on send us your email at gmail.com is where you can get me thanks for being here Thanks to the people that helped me make this show. Andy Ma, my audio producer. Rachel Barrett, my incredible show producer. Toe Hyder, who made all the music. And you, you for listening. Uh, one more best of episode next week. And then we're back to regular programming. It's New Year's Eve. What are you going to do? Have a safe one, whatever it is that you do. Oi. Glad I'm not out on the canoe. That'd be tough to get home in that wind. I think that's an easterly. Yeah, it's coming in from the ocean. Is that east? Yeah, it is. All right. Thanks for everything in 2019. I'll see you soon. Until we speak next time, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.